0: Welcome to the Divine Rhyme, a music podcast with culture, with Will Hogsett and Dylan Hughes, a part of the Running Hook Podcast Network.
1: What's up, everyone? Will Hogsett here, joined by my lovely co-host, Dylan Hughes, as always. What are we on? Episode five now for Divine Rhyme? Episode five for Divine Rhyme started off our Schoolboy Q uh, little set here for the next um, you know month or so. Uh, Hughes, how are you feeling today? How are you doing? How was your uh, your week?
0: I'm doing wonderful, man. It's uh, it's been a good week, you know. Just in general, been a good week, just chilling. But Schoolboy Q, man, it's uh, he's He's one of my favorites because he has such a unique style. Very, very grimy voice, you know, like very, very different from a lot of rappers. And and it doesn't matter what he's rapping about. It's, I'm just always into it. Like yeah. I, I can't I can't relate to ninety-eight percent of it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's just a, it's just always a fun listen.
1: Yeah, and it's uh that's what I I realized kind of as as I was like listening to Schoolboy Q's uh, two albums that we're covering today. Uh, first one, Setbacks. Second one, Habits and Contradictions. Um, I was like, this is like almost polar opposite from how we how we're gonna have to analyze Jay Cole. Like we analyze Jay Cole, and this is like so much of a different kind of artist, and it, it's really interesting. Um, to to think of uh, Q and to hear Q in these earlier days because you're right his his command of his uh, delivery his flow his uh, the way he just rides the beat with with simplicity with e- with ease it's so it's so um, it's so nice to hear and it really is uh, really is something different than I mean most of the artists that you see today but. Before uh, we get started with setbacks, I did want to uh, talk about the big news today. (laughs) Big news today. J. Cole announced his new album on May 14th. We are recording this on May 5th. So we're going to get you uh, that new J. Cole album pod at the end of uh, Schoolboy Q's little set that we're running here. Uh but the off season is the title of it. Doesn't really sound like it could be his last one. Hughes, what 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 are you thinking? I am I haven't been this excited for anything, anything at all, in so long. Like that's in so long. I'm not even joking. Hughes, what are your initial thoughts?
0: Well, I would just like to say that I think we had some manifestation in here. Okay. We spend a Hands month. Up. <laughs> we spend a month we we prepared the world for this just it was us yes. we we prepared the world for this as soon as we finished not even a full week after we're done all of a sudden he's ready so i think he was waiting for us to finish up and and now here we are and yeah i mean we were expecting the fall off right that was what mm-hmm. we were
1: expecting but and the off-season, of the off-season, off season. Like, so that oh, implies okay. that there's another there's another season after that, you know? It's just the off-season, so.
0: Um. Exactly, so I, I'm excited, man, and, and uh, you know, we're going to have a nice little break here with Schoolboy Q, and then we're going to get right back to J. Cole.
1: <laughs> yeah, and um, other news in uh, the music world, which, you know what, I was thinking maybe we, you know, start – just talking about some random stuff in the music world, like big drops, you know, at the initial part of uh, each podcast, but you know, we might just have to workshop that a little bit later. Uh, It is confirmed that uh, Kendrick's going to be dropping at some point this year as well too. Um, I think what I read was a little bit earlier in the year, but uh there's no confirmation date. Anyway, um J. Cole, new album, the off season, May 14th. Can't fucking wait, man. In his quote, his quote was just know that this was years in the making. Oh yes. All right. Let's get to uh Q. First album we're gonna do is Setbacks. His first studio album released on January eleventh, two thousand eleven. Fifteen songs, one hour and three minutes. Hughes, what are um what are, what are your highlights? What are your highlights of this album? Uh, and I think we're going to get into this a lot uh, a lot, uh, a little bit later. But, um, you know, Q is completely different in J. Cole and the fact that there's not as much message to kind of take from each song or there's not much substance, at least in these early albums, right? But what is interesting and what I liked about Q specifically is um, – his, his, his variety and his range with uh, flows and deliveries, you know, although he may be talking about like some of the same stuff on um, each song. uh, It sounds, they all sound so, so different. And I think that's what, that's, that's what he was able to do in this first album and grab caption of the audience just based on like production and flow and delivery.
0: Yeah. One thing I was, because, you know, it, looking at the songs on their own, like you mentioned, can kind of get repetitive. I mean, the 15 songs, you really get three main themes, which is, um, well, really just two with like the gang stuff and mm-hmm. then and then sex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which coming off J. Cole is a little interesting because there's similar themes, but at least with the sex stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's more like I'm the man type of stuff that we got from J. Cole early on. Mm -hmm. But the gang, the gang violence stuff is like the flip side because, you know, Schoolboy Q was actually involved in this kind of thing. And J. Cole was mostly or uh, Schoolboy Q was involved in J. Cole was just kind of viewing it from an outside perspective. Um, So we get, you know, again, it's there's some good storytelling moments in these two albums and there's some kind of, you know, not too good, but it's it's good rapping either way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think the the albums as a whole, you got to look at it as a whole thing and not just the individual songs, because, you know, there's some moments where it's kind of sporadic and it doesn't all line up. But Mm -hmm. when you tie everything together, um, I think it's it's good. And just like to start off with setbacks, the, the first two songs, Fig Get the Money is it's fine. It's just the course is a little repetitive, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. something you're really going to hold on to. And yeah. then the next song, Kamikaze, again, it it's just it's it's about killing, so it, it's not relatable to most people. Mm-hmm. But it just it's the horns and stuff. It's so it really yeah. grabs you,
1: yeah.
0: And, and and that's something that that a lot of musicians, I think, the ones that last, um, are so good at. And for Schoolboy Q's first effort to be like this, where there's a lot of songs and a, a song later on to situations I really like. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of the same flavor of that where, you know, you may not tie tie yourself into the lyrics too much, but just his flow and his flow is so simple. Like he doesn't have yeah. a lot of lines mm-hmm. that are really like really fleshed out. Like there's a lot of short choppiness in it, mm-hmm. but he's, he's so good at, at just being punchy and, with his voice and writing the beat like he he just makes it sound so good and it's it's so easy to get yourself involved in these songs whether you really you know relate to the lyrics or not so that that's what i got um from this is is just his ability like you mentioned to to have command over over his sounds mm-hmm. uh i thought was really well done
1: yeah it's and that's really like you said um command over a sound but uh like riding the beat man like the way he rides the beat uh it just sounds like he's putting in no effort whatsoever and he just understands exactly how to make it sound good and like you mentioned fig get the money i like that because it sets a scene really for um kind of his home life as he's referring to his um street that he lived on uh figura street in la and he sets the scene and i mean to an extent it does have a little structure right he sets the scene of like a gangster life and uh and then he just like spends a whole album essentially talking about it um although i d- i would say that i think at the end of the album he he starts to kind of come to a little bit of a realiz- realization that uh maybe you know this this gangster life isn't is it all I want? or maybe it's not as worthwhile as I thought, but I mean, at least in the first half of the album, he spends a lot of time just like telling talking about what's going on in the streets there in LA and how he's living his life there. Uh, but another thing that I picked up from the first at least three or four songs, uh, is that he's not afraid of a little melody, you know? And so that kind of, it kind of is a juxtaposition, Uh, with what you get from a lot of, you know, gangster rappers, right, who kind of think that throwing in melodic tunes or melodic choruses and stuff like that is, you know, that's not gangster rap necessarily. But he – and I think this is part of where he, um, you know – relates to uh a lot of the you know hip hop community. Um but then in light years ahead, production was great. Uh and K- the Kendrick hook is nuts. And that's what I love about uh, Schoolboy Q is just he 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 really takes advantage of um his his features, you know, and, and and they add a different dynamic to a song that I think, you know, just goes over with the production as a whole and just kind of enhances it no matter what he's talking about. Um and then bet I got some weed uh, the title and that one says it all but I did you did you notice the Mac Miller sh- uh, shout out? Shout out Mac Miller in there Yep I noticed yeah. it and Mac, Mac and are obviously been friends for like forever and so I just I just really like that. What else you got for um, setbacks?
0: Well yeah, like you mentioned, the the TDE connection is huge and, and you see it throughout every single one of these guys' records. And that's why I love TDE so much, Top Dog mm-hmm. Entertainment, because they're all, they're all involved in each other's prog- uh, projects. And, I mean, Kendrick and, and Q have a ton of songs together, but I think the best combo is Q and J-Rock. Like, I don't think J-Rock gets enough credit because he, doesn't, he just doesn't have a ton of work. I don't, I don't know how many albums he has out, but he just doesn't put a lot out. So he, you know, that's that's kind of how the music biz is. Like you got to you got to put stuff out mm. to to stay on people's minds. And J Rock has has more focused on just consistently coming with amazing raps. Like I I think as, as, as a pure rapper, J Rock is is really up there, and that's why I like him and Q together because they they really uh, mix well. And, and he was on this uh, record at a couple points, mm-hmm. but yeah, like, like you mentioned, just having good features and there's, it's interesting because there's a few songs like you mentioned towards the end, he starts to get away from the, the gang life stuff. He realizes that it's not the best thing for his future. And like, there's a few, there's a few verses that, that coincide with that too. Like um, on I'm good towards the end you get a, a verse from punch and like this whole song I'm good is about basically like I'm good on the street life. I don't want that anymore. And you get a whole verse from punch where it's basically the same, you know, the same kind of thing where he's talking about, you know uh, the negatives of the street clock the street life and the cycle that these people get wrapped up into. And the, the one thing I noticed I thought was kind of funny um, oh, I'm, this is on the next uh, I guess I'll, I'll wait for that then on habits and contradictions, but, but yeah, setbacks it's, it's just a, it's a good balance of, of features throughout and you can, a lot of artists, you can waste features, you know, it, it's just, mm-hmm. it's maybe there for the name or whatever, but I feel like Schoolboy Q even at his early stages did a good job of, of finding the right compliments to what he wanted to say and how he wanted to say it.
1: Yeah, I was, actually, that's a good kind of, like, tie to what I was going to ask you. Um, You know, through our first two artists, um, J. Cole and Schoolboy Q, we definitely... we've definitely seen a trend to an extent of as they're beginning their career, right? Not having too much content or a lot of repetitive content. And so what do you think, what do you think it is um, that kind of sets these guys apart? What do you think it is? I mean, I know we already spoke about the flow and stuff like that, but what do you think it is that gives uh, you know, the audience, uh, the hip hop community enough taste of these guys to be wanting more?
0: Well, Steve, setting yourself apart as a rapper, I think, is like a multi-album experience. Mm-hmm. Like, for me personally, I don't really judge a rapper until their third album, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, DaBaby. Baby is a pure rapper, very good. Like, he has a great flow, uh, very good beats. Like, it's just a pure listen... Like, he's great. But just with that, if if you have a good flow and good beats, you're Mm -hmm. automatically a good radio slash club type of rapper, right? And -hmm. for a lot of people, that's great. Like, you're going to make millions and millions of dollars off that, and that's fine. But as far as progressing off that, you have to start to do more. And I think DaBaby has three albums now. And, like, when I got to that third album, it's like, you know what? There's, it's just the same old thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and with Q and Cole, you start to see progression on the second album. Which mm-hmm. you know, with with Q specifically, we're going to talk about that second album. But you you want to hear some progression and and what they're talking about. Like it's you can determine pretty early on if it's going to sound good. And again, that's very important. And for a lot of music fans, that's all that matters, and that's fine. But First, you know, people like us that really like to break the stuff down from every single facet of the music, you like to see some progression. And mm. just in, in setbacks alone, you see that progression where the 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 message in the early part of the album starts to transform a little bit in the end. Yeah, And that and so you can look at the project alone and, and say, you know, maybe it's like a six out of 10, mm-hmm. but you can see it leading into something better. And I think that's what can kind of hook a listener a fan in is when you start to see progression within the album because if there's progression within the album you can just assume that you're going to have progression from album to album too
1: yeah so when do you when do you think you start to see the progression here um i've got cycle marked down as um one to an extent, but I think he still uh, kind of goes, uh, especially into the beat and crazy um, and phenomenon. He kind of still talks about the same things, um, crazy or in cycle. Just uh, you know, fill you guys in. He's he's talking about how he knows, you know, brothers that kill brothers that end up killing all of his friends and killing all of his friends, and it's just a cycle of like an eye for an eye, keep repeating, and so you kind of get a, a, a dabble of that there. Uh, but where do you think, um, where do you think he he starts uh, this progression into um, kind of more of an introspective, introspective look into himself? Um, and w- really, it leads into, like you mentioned, the next album.
0: Yeah, I had, I had Cycle mentioned too. And the next song, To The Beat, like, you don't, I think s- there's a handful of songs that are, are pretty consistent in him showing that he wants to you know change his ways but there's also some songs where it's just one little lyric and it's like okay like you mm-hmm. kind of got to dig that out out of yeah. all the dirt you got to dig yeah. that one little gem out um so like to the beat for example there was one line i found that stood out which is i'm going insane but physically i'm still the same mm-hmm. and i kind of took that as like you know in my mind, it's not okay, but, like, on the outside, I, look, I still look like a gangster to, the, to this world, right? Yeah. And, like, yeah. to me, that's kind of like a little flag, like, okay, like, he's starting to realize there's something wrong here. Mm-hmm. And then you get more, and then from there on, you get a, you know, you get three straight songs, crazy phenomenon in situations where it's more, it's kind of more ego-driven type of songs.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then I think the last three songs, you really yeah. start to see more. So like, like I already talked about, I'm good. Him him basically being like, you know, the street life, I got to move on from this. Um, Birds and the Bees, he's just talking about all the stuff he saw growing up and just got used to and how he's he's just not, he's realizing it's not cool anymore. The stuff that he grew up thinking was cool. And then Rolling Stone is, for the most part, it's still like a, like an ego-driven type of song talking about, you know, sex, drinking, drugs and all that. Um, but he also mentions how he does all that stuff to get out of his mind, because again, it's, it's not a place he really wants to be. So those last three songs, I think you really start to see him getting introspective and realizing that, that the, the hood life is not serving him anymore.
1: Yeah, I really liked, um, that's kind of what I had for those last three too. Um, I liked, uh, birds and the bees a lot. Um, and it's like, You know, what I took from it, Hughes, is that uh, it like the gangster life from the outside, um, because Kendrick's in that one. Right. Kendrick's in that one as well. And it's like from the outside, um, from like our perspective. Right. You see like gangsters and you have you make your own like. Um, preconceived ideas of what gangsters are and who it is and like with within the media how it's obviously like um, destroyed gangsters are just like ra- ravished on and they get a lot of shit and how it's just like this big thing um that like the media or we we have ideas of but to them it's just the birds and the bees like it's it's the normal life and that's what and that's why I kind of took from it and that's where I start to see I guess kind of this flip to where it's like maybe he's he's realized that it has just been normalized to him his whole life and you know that doesn't necessarily justify it and then Rolling Stone I mean I'm looking through my notes Hughes and a lot of a lot of, <laughs> a lot of these songs I start with super vibe song, super vibe song, or flow is nuts, flow is nuts. But Rolling Stone, I think, ended up to be one of my favorite uh, sounding songs on the album, um, and I don't know whether it's that sample or what else, but I really, really liked uh, the way that one sounded. Um, and so what, okay, how about this? Muse, what is the message of this record? Is there one or is it just kind of a look into his into his life?
0: Yeah, I was thinking about that because I'm trying to like think, okay, what, what could setbacks possibly mean, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you could look at it from maybe two ways. Because um, he talks about music, you know, and realizing that's kind of his path to where he wants to go. So I wonder if you could look at it from a flip from two sides. Like I said, you could look at it from the point of view of who he thought he was supposed to be growing up and with, with the, you know, all the the gang stuff and him thinking that music could be a setback to that life and how that's distracting him from what he knows. But also you could turn around and say, that the other way around where he, he realized music was what he needed to do and all that other stuff was holding him back this whole time. And potentially his mindset was a setback in him, you know, really going for earlier on. And I think that's ultimately what it is, is, is him realizing some of the stuff that he had in his life was just holding him back. And you know, I, I do think a lot of it is kind of laying the foundation for who he is and where he came from and mm-hmm. and how he became, you know, who he is now. Um, and, you know, again, on its face, like it's a good, not great album. Right. Going yeah. back to the same thing with J. Cole. Yeah. But as far as a, in a, a full story, very important for you to understand what he came from, because when we get to later, later projects we're going to hear, you know, more advanced thought on these same things and having this background and understanding what he came from and and how he saw life growing up, Mm -hmm. um, is is really going to help better understand the music that comes after this.
1: Yeah. And that's why I, um, that's why I enjoy this kind of dynamic that we have because with, um, with J Cole, at least I like I've said fucking 50 times on this. I just listened to Forest Hills Drive. But what what, what you're going to see with a lot of, I guess, the lesser listened to um, artists, and this is no disrespect to Schoolboy Q, it's just I never got around to listening to him in my life. I made my own preconceived ideas of what I thought he was. He was a rapper, and I didn't really like rap, right? I thought I liked hip-hop. And so I'm going into these albums with a completely blank – like uh, idea of who Schoolboy Q is. And, you know, it's actually bra- breaking down some of the preconceived ideas that I thought in my head, because I'm listening to this and I'm like, my first listen through, I'm trying to take uh content, like I already mentioned, mentioned like, what's this guy trying to say? And the only thing I could come up with is like, he's not trying to say anything. He's just trying to make songs that fucking slap man. Like, and they do. And they do and so here's another question for you, uh, Hughes. what's a, you know what's the difference um, I, I, being a listener to songs that slap and listening to songs that actually have meaning like at least for me, I think of it as whenever I'm in different mind spaces uh, or if I want to get hyped up or something, then I'll turn on like a cue a album uh, like this one or the first one uh, or the second one. Um, and so what what is it what's the difference for you, uh, Hughes?
0: Yeah, I mean, mute is com- or music is completely mood reliant, basically, and and that's one thing I've tried to balance, and I know you have too, because we've had discussions about this before. Where a lot of these rappers, like, you feel like you're kind of graduating almost from that type of music, mm-hmm. because you know we like to look at stuff from a little bit in more of an in depth perspective. But then, then you throw some future on, and you're like, God damn, this shit is still great. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like the other night. I, I had uh Future, his self-titled album going. Best rap of Future's career is that album, by the way. But like you just run through song after song. It doesn't really matter what he's saying. Like you're fucking into it. Mm-hmm. And and that's what's important to recognize as a music fan, especially of rap and hip hop, because there's so many different flavors of like the same type of genre. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think rap slash hip hop is really the the biggest in that you know, music genre where it's just so there's such an array of different angles you could take from it, like pop and country and stuff like that. It's pretty straightforward what you're going to get, but hip hop and rap are really tied together. Um, but they're not the same, you know, they can be tied together, um, and work together well, but there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. And, and that's why, like, there's so many different types of rap fans, I would say, because you can be a fan of J Cole and a fan of future because they sound the same, but they're different. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what's important to recognize is that there there's a different mood for a different kind of genre, right? Like if you want to sit back and just enjoy a nice album of storytelling or whatever, you know, throw on for your eyes only. Mm -hmm. But if you just want, if you're driving on down the road, you know, going to work or school or whatever, and you're just, you know, you're hyped up for your day throw on some schoolboy q or future or whatever and it's 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 fine like it really is mood reliant and it's that's that's what i love about the genre is that there's so much there's so many different types of ways you can go about it Mm -hmm. and you know a lot of these guys talk about the same thing but there's so many different things that set artists apart whether it's the beat or their voice, you know, there's just a lot of different things. And that's, that's one thing you have to accept is this, that there's different types of fans and there's different moods for each song and, and nothing is better or worse than the other.
1: But I think, I think uh, Q um, shows kind of both of those sides, though, to an extent, like he in this first album, at least, and obviously, like I mentioned before, he has just incredible range with his flow and delivery. But I think that, you know, you start to see him being able to obviously have that gangster rap kind of. Um, mood and delivery but then he also has a bit more introspective and you're like okay this guy you know just the way it sounds you know and you could see yourself uh listening to um a, a sad a sadder song based on um you know his flow um and so i just one last question would you go back to this album uh this first one if you were and I know you kind of talked about being uh, depends on what mood, but uh, I think you get similar stuff and uh, habits and contradictions, only a little bit more well put together. And so I was going to ask you, would you would you go back to this one?
0: I don't think I would go back and listen to it straight through, mm-hmm. but I'll just say kamikaze and situation. They're in the playlist, man. Like yeah. those, those songs get me going every time. And those are songs that I had never heard before because I don't think I had listened to this album before this. Um, Mm -hmm. So I had listened to Hot Habits and Contradictions before, but not this. So there's a handful of songs and there's even more songs probably I could go back and be like, yeah, like I could throw this on the playlist and and be happy with it. Um, It's a full straight through listen, probably not, but there's definitely a handful of gems in there.
1: I agree. I agree. And so um, that leads us into uh, Q's second uh, studio album, Habits and Contradictions, released uh, almost exactly a year later on January, January 14th, 2012. Um, And before we we go to um, the highlights of the album, in your opinion, uh, I wanted to ask you um, about the overall growth Uh, From step backs, Uh, in my opinion, I think the production is more refined. Uh, Some of the delivery is uh, more refined. Um, And it's like he's able to keep keep these songs um, individualized to an extent. Whereas a lot of the sounds and a lot of the messaging kind of meshed in setbacks a little bit for me. Um, Each song seems to have more of like a singular idea in this album. So what, what, what do you think the overall growth uh, is for you?
0: Yeah, I think you see incredible growth right off the bat. I mean, the first like five songs are just really, really good. And I think you start to see a little bit of a fall off from there, but that the that i mean it's hard to not get hooked into the album with those initial songs because it, it's there's a lot more gloominess to it and i think from a rapper that's probably best known for hype music it's it's nice to see that 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 he does have that other side where he can be introspective and kind of kind of quiet and still produce a really good song and you know as far as the message, you see a major development kind of mm-hmm. tailing off after the end of setbacks where, you know, there there's more regret in there. And and I, I just think the the message and the sound as a whole is a lot more solidified.
1: All right. So what um were some of your highlights? Uh I I know you said and I agree that the first five or six songs are are pretty good and then it kind of drops off a little bit. One thing I'm going to mention is uh, Hands on the Wheel is probably one of my favorite songs of this whole album. Uh, The production, like I said, it just grows. It really grows. And, you know, you get that baseline level of production and setbacks that kind of grabs your attention. You're like, okay, this guy really knows how to um, ride off a beat and make it sound good. But it, it seems more refined and a little bit nicer and nicer, more well put together, well put together in this one. Uh I like on still talking about hands on the wheel. uh The, the pursuit of ha- happiness sample. Uh This kind of gives me big dance song vibes and the ASAP feature. Oh my, my ASAP Rocky. Oh my, my, what, what a feature. And so that's the one I kind of want to talk about sex drive. um And you know, another song about sex, but do you, how, how do you pronounce this girl's name? Is it J- Jean or Jaheen Akio? Do you know? I believe it's Janae. Janae? Okay. Yeah, I believe. J- but anyway, Janae Akio's voice literally sounds like sex. <laughs> literally sounds like sex. And so, again, with him really using the features well, I think this is heightened in, in this album as well. So, what, what do you got for us to
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I think right off the bat with Sacrilegious, like, Mm -hmm. man, it's I mean, just again, talking about the the more of a somber tone. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first line gloomy on sunny days shadows, no house or trees, like just talking about how his past is following him. And like this song is basically a a lot of the regret he has and how, you know, he's kind of trying to to get away from Satan and go to, to go to God, you know. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting way to, to start the album. And when you just look at the title habits and contradictions, right. It's like, it's basically his life to this point where he's fallen into all these bad habits and he's trying to run away, but in, in some ways it's hard. And, you know, he gets to that throughout the album where there's, there's a lot of stuff that's pulling him back to these places, even though he's trying to get away. So I just think the, it's it's a little bit more thematic than the first one was, where it feels like the message is a little bit more tied together. Um, but yeah, sacrilegious, I think, is is a great start.
1: Yeah, it, that song really picked up, like literally right from the end of the first album. And so I think you're starting to. See, I think I know I am. I'm starting to see a lot of connective tissue, like like you mentioned. Uh, with with some of the great the better artists you know they try to I think throw that in there and pick up to an extent where they left off and sacrilegious is a perfect example of that
0: yeah exactly and and again like the the connective tissue is not something that just J. Cole does well like this is something that really every musician I think does well um, especially these guys that that are not just you know, rapping to rap like they're trying to tell yeah. a story
1: finding and, a hit and then writing off that hit you know then that's i think that's a big difference that at least i'm noticing is that you know some of the guys that you see 10 15 years in the future pick up where they left off instead of kind of trying to copycat the first album like they made
0: yeah exactly and and you know this is this is something that's going to be interesting to track as we get to more rappers because Like, I look at a guy like Drake, right? And and this is someone that we're going to have to dig into more. But just off the top of my head, I don't think he's really ever been been a connected tissue type of guy. And really, his albums as a whole haven't been great. Like, I I think Drake has really become successful off the singles, Mm -hmm. um, which he has mastered. But again, I think there's a little bit more of an algorithm type of style to that. Yeah. And again, there's no shame on that. I love Drake. I'll listen to him to the day I die. But from like more of a of a technical, like music standpoint, like we're doing right now where we're really digging into stuff, the the storytelling I really do think is what makes these guys stand out. And that's why we we talk so highly of J. Cole. And I think as we move on, we're gonna do the same with Q. Cause again, he's known a lot for the hype music but he's able, he's really a well-rounded rapper. And, yeah. and that's what we're really seeing right off the bat here. Um, and something we talked about with J Cole too, is his ability to kind of take you on a roller coaster of, of down and up. And I mean, right off the bat with this record. So sacrilegious, again, kind of a gloomy song. And then there he go and hands on the wheel next very upbeat, uh, mm-hmm. higher, you know, frequency types of songs. And, there you go. It's just just quick. Like this is one was an interesting one because he gets away from kind of the killing stuff and he's more like I'm gonna kill these dudes with my flow, right? Like he's yeah. he's really focused on the music now, which is a really nice sign and again more more progression in his message. And hands on the wheel, like you said, awesome song. And the pursuit of happiness uh, sample really works well here, and he does a really good job with it. Yeah, and I think it even has a similar message to Pursuit of Happiness because, you know, he talks about drunk driving, right? Like he—he's basically the the whole, um, letting pleasure kind of rule his life, and this is something he talks about in Future Records too. We'll get to, but uh, th- there's some kind of some introspection here where he realizes he's doing wrong, but he doesn't really care. And I think is a is a full outline. Of his musical history, I think this was like an interesting kind of point to set that, like, he recognizes that he's doing wrong, but he doesn't really care right now, um, and it's just something interesting to keep uh, in mind as we move forward.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think the point that you made about um, him having the roller coaster that's similar to what J. Cole had—I had that same thought, and I think I, I think that goes to his flow it's a credit to his flow his uh production and his growing realization of how to put an album together and um like you mentioned it's not the same song over and over and over um and whether that's to the flow or whether that's to the tempo in the song i think uh that's one thing that stood out to me about q in these first two albums uh at least um so what do you got for the rest of the album uh, on um, my hating joint I got um uh, hating on some girl's man, you know, that's really what it's about of uh, him just kind of going into how he's like with this girl and she's talking about how she's got this man, even though he's like with her, he's like, I could be better in that. And so um you see that kind of growth of not talking about the gangster stuff all the time. Um but then he goes into uh tooky knows interlude, which is all about doing PCP. <laughs> And then uh, "Sexting," which another song about the ladies." And so you kind of see a similar progression of, at least with Jay Cole, of these songs are really in the beginning, all about his home life and the girls. you know And so w- w- what do you think? Are you as, That's just such an interesting kind of like starting point for me uh, for Q to an extent, because um, you know, as, as you go deeper into his uh, Albums and his track lists, you see more of an introspective kind of vibe. And so, what what do you got for the rest of the album, Hughes?
0: Yeah, like I mentioned, I think the start is really hot. And I would say, for me personally, like my hate and joy is kind of like the last little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I thought it was funny because, and this is where he goes back to, he kind of falls back on his gangster tendencies where. He talks about like being with this girl and and her boyfriend's pulling up and and he's getting worried thinking he's got to pull the gun on him or whatever, but but he's like, turns out he's just a fan, you know, (laughs) like he's, he's a fan of his music. That's why he's pulling up on him. (laughs) And it's just kind of a funny song. Um, Like you mentioned, he's just, he's, he's trying to convince this girl that her man is not even close to his level. And he does that a lot. Like he, he does a lot of, I'm the man type of stuff. And starting with two key nose, you kind of get, you get a stretch. That's not just message wise. Again, sound wise, it's all great. Um, but message wise, you don't get a ton. Like you mentioned, sexting speaks for itself, uh, gangster and designer is just kind of like a mix of all these things yeah um and i still like the
1: way that one sounds though like like you mentioned they all sound so good they they really they do all sound so good but for the purpose of this podcast it it really in my opinion doesn't do much for us except laying a foundation of where he is at the time and seeing the eventual growth that that comes from that
0: yeah exactly they're there's a difference between enjoying the music and being able to discuss it. Right. Like I can sit back and, and really enjoy these songs and just kind of relax. But as far as breaking line by line down, I could do that. You know, you, you tie five songs together and it's the same thing. Right. And again, not a bad thing. It's just for the purpose of discussion. There's not a ton there. And, but, but there is a couple of other songs I think are worth talking about. Like, going back a little bit earlier oxy music yeah um which which again is in that first stretch that I think was really really good um and this is more introspection where he's kind of regretting and this is all about him selling oxycon right back uh back in his hometown and that was part of his ways and he's kind of regretting it and the third verse you know he talks about again he starts talking more about god at this point uh mm-hmm. where the, the first record was kind of just like, whatever, like, I don't really care. And again, there was, there was some stuff at the end where he's like, I can't like, I'm marinating in the devil's sweat, I think was a line, which was really good. Um, But that's, that's the, that's the type of stuff he gets into now is where he's really looking ahead and kind of looking up in a way at like heaven. And he's like, man, Like, I don't know if I can ever be forgiven for this stuff. It's been so bad. Um, So I thought that was a really, a really good song and that verse specifically the third verse of that one. Yeah. Um, But then again, skipping forward, you get to my homie, which is, which is him talking about one of his friends growing up that betrayed him. um, And, you know, kind of sold out to reduce his sentence. And that's something that I think from our perspective, is very understandable. Like, listen, man, if you put me in a situation where I could reduce a prison sentence, like, I <laughs> I think most people would be down, right? But when you grow up in that environment, it's very frowned upon, especially when it's people you grew up with. And I think that was one thing he was, it's again, for, for people like us that just don't have any idea of what that's like, mm-hmm. um, it, it's good to hear that perspective because it's like damn like i can imagine even even though the circumstances are understandable where they were involved in some bad things it's like at the end of the day he was still betrayed by someone that he considered family
1: yeah and like you mentioned this this song and this album as a whole is i think just another step forward in his introspection within within himself and when you look at these albums as a whole That's what I've really enjoyed with at least J. Cole, and what I expect to see out of Schoolboy Q, right, in his later albums. And I know um, Hughes has kind of listened to him, and I've listened to Blank Face a little bit. But you know, and like we mentioned, you got to start from somewhere. And so, having these gangster rap, these you know what it's like to live in the hood songs, uh, is really really important to see to understand who Q is you know, in 2021 and see the progression that he's made. Um, And so I just got a question about the album as a whole, unless you have a a couple more highlights that you want to touch.
0: No, like I mentioned, like the last two songs are really just kind of the same, same story. So it's, I think after my homie, it kind of, kind of tails off a bit.
1: So what I what question I got for you is and we've already kind of discussed this a lot, but does there always need to be a message? Um, And I think we know the answer for Q, but what is what what do these two albums do for you to kind of set the foundation of Q as an artist? Um, For me, at least, you know, you get the first album where uh he's always he's talking about this gangster rap and the what it's like to be a gangster and you know sex and girls and money and drugs and um you know obviously these albums are really close together only a year separates them and then you see a little bit more time put in to the album and so what kind of foundation do you have as q as an artist before we move on to the next couple of um couple of albums
0: you know, this is something that I have personally discovered, and and I know you have too. And we talked about this with Jay Cole, is vulnerability, right? And I think that's what separates these artists is who who are you, or who were you, and who are you now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like let just to use Drake as an example again. A lot of these things he talks about, it's kind of generalized stuff, really. It's like. I used to always say that Drake is the most tweetable rapper. Like as yeah. far as it's so easy to take lines from his songs and tweet it. Cause they're so relatable. Right. But. And in some ways I think you can relate to anyone on something. Right. But I think Drake has built his career off of intentionally being relatable, whether this stuff's true or not. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the stuff is kind of see-through. Right. But with Schoolboy Q, it's like, that's real shit that he's talking about. Like, that's, it's pretty undeniable. He just has so many different stories. There are some songs where it's just, like, I'm going to kill you if you disrespect me. Like, anyone can say that, right? But yeah. there's a lot of songs that you can really see that's real stuff. Like, yeah. he talks about seeing 12-year-old kids get wrapped up in, in the cycle and uh, and getting killed and stuff. Like, that's that's stuff that you have to see to believe. And the vulnerability is really what I think connects us is because we can see the the trenches that you were in and, and where you really started off at before you became great and and famous and rich. And, and as you start to progress, even just one album, we can see the growth and yeah. he, he details it in a way that's both, interesting to listen to and fun to listen to and that's i think is a is a musician that's incredibly important because again a lot of these modern day rappers are just surface level like they're not saying stuff that's really relatable to a lot of people they're not being truly vulnerable because i think in a lot of ways vulnerability is looked at as a bad thing it's like weak but and so a lot of people don't go to it they just want to do surface level raps, and that's it. But the the ones that are able to actually open up and, and show us who they are and how they're changing, uh, that's what sets people apart. And we talked about with J. Cole, and we're already seeing with Q just in the first two records the amount of change and introspection he has. And, again, his ability to actually show us that uh, is, has really been good.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting to look at Q's uh, career from the perspective of his albums, right? Because when he starts the, um, when he starts, you know, the rapping and the albums and the mixtapes, to an to extent, although we didn't go through those, um, you know, he's rapping as like kind of a side gig, right? But as in reality, he's making his money selling drugs, selling heroin, oxy, Oxycontin on the street. And it's like this growth of him as a person is also correlated to this growth of him musically and so you see um again compared to the other rappers they'll hear like for example schoolboy q's first album and they'll be like that sounds good i want to make songs like that and get rich and famous like that because that's what people like and so that's why you see three four albums into these guys career it's like what the hell you what the hell are you doing you're making the same shit over and over but compared to Q's um, growth and Q's dynamic you really see him being having rap as like a side hustle right until he can make his way out of it and he makes his way out of it by adding this progression of introspection and progression of him as an artist as a musician into it to literally take him out of the slums and like another another comparison be uh, would be Kendrick Lamar you know and because him and Kendrick Lamar have a lot of uh relations obviously they're in TDE talk dog entertainment ph- phenomenal record label um but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question compared to some of the other um artists in TDE it's like they got this started, they got this uh, record label kind of started so that they didn't have to, so they could off- offer other musicians the chance to start from a higher baseline than they did. First one that comes off to mind, uh, SZA, or SZA, her first album released in 2016, Control, absolutely incredible. And it's like they've created this foundation to grab people away from that and have them making music so they don't have to kind of go through similar things uh, Similar transformations that they did But to your point The transformations in the music Is what makes it real And I think like you mentioned What makes it relate to everyone else And so that's why he was able To get himself off the streets He was able to realize That maybe making music Is a better Is a healthier outlet Than you know selling drugs or having sex with all these random girls and obviously when the money comes from with music it makes it a lot easier to get away from the streets um at least from what what i've heard it's nothing that (laughs) it's nothing that i've ever experienced right but you know i just find it really interesting the the path the pathway of our uh the two artists that we've started with um, and although Schoolboy Q didn't necessarily start this um, this record label, right? He was an initial part of it, though. And you see Jay Cole starting record label labels for the same thing. And so I don't know. I just find that really, really, really um, helpful and beneficial to the community of um, you know gangsters wherever, not just in LA, to say that hey, there's there's more than that gangster lifestyle right although like we mentioned it's become normalized to them um you know and i think that's that's the ultimate goal of like music to an extent right it's it's a healthier outlet to um relieving some of your issues and it's almost like a therapist you know if if you enjoy making the music and you want to tell exactly how you feel it is an outlet to relieve stress and relieve other things like that and so I mean, at least when you compare it to like drugs and stuff like that, so.
0: Yeah, and I think he, he realizes too that, I mean, like, kind of like you mentioned that the money's gonna come a lot quicker through the music. And, and I think one thing that he recognizes is that he is the only person that can do music that way, that well. And, you know, selling drugs is, is not necessarily something you need a skill to do. I mean, maybe you need some marketing skills, but, uh, that's about it. And, (laughs) and, but music is just such a different thing. And I think he, he almost gets more of a high from doing the music because he realizes that he's the only one doing it that way. And, you know, like you mentioned with TD, I think something that, I mean, you can see in these first two records that they realize, and I'm not saying other record labels don't do this, but, TDE collaborates more within itself and its own artists than I think other record labels do. Where, I mean, this group they have, like the Black Hippie group, which is Kendrick, Q, J Rock, and Absol, who Absol is a lot of people like Absol. I personally am not a huge fan, but he does complement them pretty well uh, as a feature, at least. But you know, they've recognized the importance of collaboration and they all have similar backgrounds. And like they, they formed at a young age in their career where they were able to grow together and they used each other to grow, you know, to help each other grow. And it's not to say that they didn't want to be famous, that that wasn't their goal, but it's like, it seemed like they were just making music because they enjoyed making music together. Mm -hmm. And like you mentioned, it's kind of the same thing with, with Dreamville and J Cole, where he's collaborating with people he likes and he really thinks could be big. And, and it's, he wants to bring them up to his level, but it's, it's really all about collaboration and just, just going off the TDE thing. Like I think they recognize how important that is. And at the same time, it's, it's just a a much better way for them to focus their time as making music together, rather than dealing with all the other stuff that, they did in the past.
1: Yeah, and it's more than it's more than just telling people about your life and how you've gotten out of uh bad places uh through the music. It's almost like the manifestation of that actually happening in real life with the record label, right? And they're trying to grab all these kids before You know, you get into bad shit and you get into bad um, habits that eventually, like Schoolboy Q mentions, will take your life. Like he's sitting around waiting for the cops to get him, waiting for something to happen. And that's, you know, all that's kind of happening. And it's interesting. I think it might have been in Birds and the Bees with um, Kendrick Lamar, where it seems almost as if Kendrick is rapping at Schoolboy's kind of sending that message like let's do this through music let's do this through um a beat and not you know within the not within the on the streets right and so um back looking at more of schoolboy q as as a whole um how much have you listened to oxymoron bits and pieces Okay, and so um, habits and contradictions, 2012, oxymoron, 2014, blank face LP, 2016. Are we gonna want to combine those two then, uh, oxymoron and blank face LP, to save Crash Talk, uh, the solo pod uh, there at the end? Then you think? Yeah, that that'll probably work. And so what 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 kind of um, growth are we expecting in oxymoron from these first two albums? Obviously, two years set apart. Um and then Oxymoron was actually his biggest. I mean, I think that was like his kickoff album that really, really sent him to uh the the celebrity status to an extent. And so what what are you expecting uh growth wise for the next two or at least um oxymoron albums?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because again, like I don't want to talk about J. Cole half this podcast, but yeah, right. <laughs> I, I just, I really do see a lot of similarities in the early journey mm-hmm. and not necessarily exactly what they're talking about, but kind of just how they're talking about it. Um, and the fact that they're talking about where they came from more than anything. And so at, at this point, J. Cole's career, you know, like after the mixtapes, um, the early albums were, it was just slowly discovering discovering new things kind of in the same realm like starting to recognize that because at this point uh, Q is still talking about drugs a lot he's still talking about sex a lot you know so I'm interested to see if he starts to recognize that that stuff maybe isn't suiting him like in the past he's he's recognized that killing people isn't good so that that's a great start right but there's still (laughs) other things to learn and I'm interested to see if he is able to recognize that. And, you know, I don't think he ever gets, gets away from uh, smoking weed, which is fine, but, but some of the other stuff, um, I'm interested to see if he's able to get more introspective on, on what kind of fuels him and what, what makes him the best version of himself, at least in his opinion. And just interested to see how that reflects in the music and at the same time, just just kind of gauge the sound of the music and is it more roller coastery? Is mm. it going to be more up than down? Uh, just just kind of keep an eye on on how he balances everything
1: yeah I'm looking for um, a singular message throughout the album to an extent, right um, but I mean the roller coaster effect, I think he kind of naturally just pulls off with with the flows and if there's one big takeaway that I had from this album and like a a foundational standpoint for Q as a rapper, it's just like, this guy knows how to make a good song. You know, this guy knows how to, how to adjust his flow, ride to the beat, adjust the production, you know, behind his beat to make it make some of the lines hit harder, but you don't necessarily get some of that. Okay. What's this project mean? What is this? What is he trying to say in this project to an extent? And the first two at least, Uh, but it's almost like, I I know you mentioned in, in one of the pods before how it's kind of similar to keeping a journal, right. And how these guys are writing albums, making albums, and maybe, you know, listening to the albums after, I mean, of course they listen to the albums and like, what, what do, is this what I want to talk about? And it's like, they ask themselves, is this what I want to talk about? Is this me? And it's, it's just like a, a, a journal that they put out for everyone to hear but i think it also helps himself as well.
0: Yeah, that that's the beauty of really any kind of of audio form or or written form. It's like if writing your story down at at, at a certain point in your life and putting it out there, whether it's music or a YouTube video or a podcast, you know, like the it's it's just a, a really interesting way to, first of all, you're going to be teaching other people about something about mm-hmm. yourself, but you're also learning about yourself when you look back and say, wow, like I really did view this that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't quite made that discovery yet, but I'm making it now. Mm-hmm. And it, it is just a, a really interesting way to basically have a timeline of your life where he can look back, you know, at 2011, and say, oh, yeah, that that's right. That's how life was back then. And, and you know, he can say 10 years from now and and it can ref, it can impact the music he's making today. So, yeah, I, that's that's one thing that I love about music. And again, we're two artists in and we're already seeing that where they're basically documenting their life for other people to listen to. Um, but again, it's it's at the end of the day, I think most successful people do it for themselves. Right yeah and and they're making music that they like to listen to as well um so it's it's definitely really cool that that that's how it works is where you can look back and say man like that that actually was pretty good and i was doing i was doing well at that time or they could even say man that was trash like i Mm -hmm. i still had a lot to learn and i felt like i was the shit back then um so yeah i think music is is beautiful for that and and i think uh right now, I think he's gotten a lot better as a musician, but I think he can look back at these two albums and, and uh, be pretty happy.
1: Yeah. And it's not difficult whenever, whenever you're making it for yourself, it's not difficult to look back and, uh, you know, analyze, what do I want to do better whenever you're doing something for someone else, then there's, it's not you behind it. Like you're not putting your own heart and soul behind it. So it might be easy to, you know, just go off compared to some of the newer albums go off of what you already know. Right. And because you're basing it on someone else. And so it's probably a little bit more difficult to go back for some of these mainstream artists and kind of ask themselves, is that who I want to be? Is that what I wanted to be? Because they initially didn't even put themselves in the music or they didn't put it music out for themselves and going back on like the documentation You know, we have so many thoughts in a day you get. I mean, I get lost in my thoughts all day long, all day long. And that's just in one day. Right. And so having some form of documentation, whether it's a journal, whether it's music, whether it's whatever you kind of apply your life to, it could be art, could be damn near anything else, having some sort of like standpoint to go back to and look at and then a make adjustments in the future is so important for growth because if you don't have something to fall back on, you're just going to listen to what your mind says all day long. And you know, you're kind of like starting over and over and over.
0: Yeah. And you know, one thing I was just thinking about as you were talking about the, the musicians that kind of go off a blueprint, someone else lays out for them. I think that's why the really good musicians make albums every three years. Yeah, It really is like J. Cole, Schoolboy Q, Kendrick Lamar. You're getting one album every three years. And and that's because, again, like you said, they are making their music. And for a true artist, especially in the music form, to make a product that they're proud of, they've got to talk about something new, right? So mm-hmm. it's there's almost like a, a double standard in the music industry where, you know, money wise and attention wise, the record label or the fans, they want stuff all the time. They want stuff every year. And again, those guys are going to make a ton of money. They're going to have a lot of fame, but they're not saying anything new. And that's one thing like I, I used to be a huge young thug fan and I still like him, mm-hmm. but he drops an album every year. That's no different than the last one. Right. And and that's where they start to lose the luster. But like Jay Cole said, this album's years in the making, right? Yeah. That's for a reason. That's because the music matters to him. It's not just about having attention and making money. And Schoolboy Q, um, you know, it took him a few years to make Crash Talk, and it's been a few years since that. Um, and there's a reason for that, because it's good music. And it, it, he's got to discover something new to talk about. He's not just going to go off a of blueprint. Kendrick yeah. Lamar, same thing. I think Damn was 2018. Mm-hmm. So three years. And before that, uh, to pimp a butterfly three years before that. So it's the, the good music takes time. And that's why as, as a fan of music, it's definitely easy to just want new stuff all the time, but for them to properly develop their message, it it takes time.
1: Yeah. And I think, Couple things from what you just said, Hughes. One, uh, it's it's obvious, almost to an extent, these new age rappers. Whenever they drop uh, an album every year, it's just to hit the bank account, right? Because they know that things are gonna sell, and they know that if they just continue to make music, I mean, at some point it's gonna fall off, which we talked about. Uh, but they're kind of stuck in this singular make music for money mindset. I'm just focused on on the money, and you know, it's interesting because we talked about Q having that realization of making music to get money instead of, you know, being in the streets to uh, make his money. But it's almost as along at the same time, he realizes he wants to make good music as well. And he wants to put his heart and soul into music. And then another thing is that the fans enjoy, I mean, I, I know they don't enjoy like waiting on an album, right? You don't, you, you never want to wait three years to an extent after, Uh, Kendrick Lamar drops damn you don't want to wait another three years because you're like give me give me more because it's so good but it's that realization it's like it's like what I had today whenever I heard J. Cole was dropping a new album it's like holy fuck this thing is going to be fire man and I like I said I've never been more I haven't been I can't remember the last time I was this excited for something maybe LeBron winning winning the title last year but uh, other than that I I and it's just that it's that weight, although you fans probably in the moment don't want it. The more you wait, the more uh anticipation builds up and the more you're like, OK, this thing and he spent three fucking years on it. It's it better be heat. And, you know, more than likely, it's going to be. And so, yeah,
0: go and ahead. And That 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 build up is worth it, because, again, it from a patient standpoint, it's tough. Right. But the artists that get away with it are these guys that are more established where you can go back and listen to, you know, 50 really good songs because they took time to put good music out. And, you know, the, the thing about these good artists is they last because the old stuff never dies. J Cole's old music never dies. You could go back to Kendrick Lamar's section 80 fucking 10 years ago or whatever it's been eight and it's still really good music and that was like his first stuff but as we're waiting for the new stuff we have the old stuff to go back to because his whole career he's taken time to do the right thing Mm -hmm. so as we wait we can go back to that old stuff and be satisfied and then like today when j cole announces a drop it's like oh shit like we've been listening to all this music building up building up Mm -hmm. building up and here we are and and that's just what's so important and it's like I'm I'm not sitting around waiting waiting for a Baby album. I, I'm just not I'm not sitting around waiting for it. <laughs> Why would you? You know,
1: <laughs> he's gonna have one sometime soon.
0: <laughs> it's he's gonna drop. But the, I don't have to to think about when it's coming. I know it's gonna come, mm-hmm. and I know it's gonna have a very low ceiling because it's just he's not he's not putting the time in to make really good music. And again, this is no disrespect to baby or any of these young guys because they're making money. Like they're I'm sure they're very happy with where they're at. And they've chosen to make the music this way. They they clearly don't yeah. want to be a J. Cole or schoolboy Q type of rapper that's that's vulnerable and and really telling us about who they are. Like they just want to make good sound of music for people to have fun to that's fine. There's uh there's a place for that, right? But when you start talking about, you know, who who's a top ten rapper right now, they're never gonna get in the mix, right? Yeah. And and I'm maybe they're fine with that. They're again, they're making money, but the the guys that really spend the time those are the guys that last
1: yeah it's it's funny is because you know you said no disrespect and i i don't i mean i know we don't mean any disrespect because you make your money you do your own thing but talk about keeping a journal of yourself i think when we listen to this one Ah, uh, this album or this podcast specifically, we're gonna be like, yeah, we kind of shat on the baby a lot in this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and so. Um, but you know, teach their own. At the end of the day, you're gonna do what you gotta do to make money. But, um, and then I'm I'm gonna throw in, to kind of tie it off. And this isn't a Drake podcast, but we talked a lot about Drake. It's, it's kind of like Drake st- has an opposite, like a reverse. Uh, discography than most of these people where um j cole q specifically where the first couple of albums of drake were like wow this guy's really really good and then you start seeing him put albums out every single year that start to lack that quality because he's i think too focused on the money and if there's anyone that could get away with it it's drake because a subpar song for drake is still probably better than most of the current stuff that's out there. I mean, that's why, uh, all of his songs hit the like top 10 of the billboard right when they come out. But it is interesting looking at Drake's career. And I'm going to be looking forward to the Drake month or two that we're going to spend on that guy, because again, that guy has put out a lot of albums, um, especially recently, but it's an interesting thought to kind of see the progression of Drake's, um, Discography compared to Schoolboy Q's and Jay Cole's.
0: Yeah, and and Drake is just such a different. Like he stands out in a different way because it's like you don't you can't really tell what he wants mm-hmm. because, like you mentioned the the early the early stuff was a lot more telling and it was more spread out and it's it's weird because usually the rappers that once they get to that point where they really made it, they start to slow down because they, they don't have to build a fan base. They already have it. They can yeah. take their time to do the right thing. Cause they know that their fans are going to love it either way. Just like we talked about, but Drake is, has done it a different way where he's built the audience, but he's still constantly focused on relevancy. Yeah, And it's just, it's really weird. It's like, he's, he's very different than any other musician in general where he doesn't slow down Mm -hmm. and I, I there's pros and cons to it because I mean, I think his singles over the past few years have been probably the best of his career. Right. Yeah. But it's just, you look back at Scorpion, just not a good album. Right. And and Uh, we'll we'll discuss that later.
1: (laughs) 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 We'll discuss that later. Don't be attacking. My my guy's always been Drake. I've always had Drake. But like, honestly, as I've listened to J. Cole more, I think, you know, J. Cole's climbing up that ladder. But your your point stands. Um, And it's like an addiction kind of going back to KOD, right? It's like Drake has built this new addiction to relevancy and to music, uh, and to money that comes with it. And I don't know necessarily if it's the money as much as it, as it is the relevancy, as it is like the pop culture status, um, the celebrity status, if you will. Um, but just like you said, the singles have been so fire. Imagine if he held off on sending those singles out in the last couple of years, compiled his, from the last like two or three albums, the best songs that he has from those albums and put them all together, we're going to be sitting here like holy shit, Drake just released his best album of all time, you know? And although it's obviously different, and Drake has always the more, I guess, past twenty 2015, like 2014, it has been kind of like that, right, for Drake, where he's been putting out albums every year, Keep Relevant, and they're good albums, but... I mean, I, this isn't this isn't supposed to be a Drake podcast, but the 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 juxtaposition of their careers, at least with Schoolboy Q, I think we're going to see, and then J uh, Jay Cole as well. There's no doubt about J Cole. It is an interesting um, idea, just because they are both still on top of the game, and I think Schoolboy Q, although he doesn't brag about it much, I mean he's right up there too.
0: Yeah, and and again to talk about TDE because TDE has a, has a big influence and these guys are very similar. I mean, Kendrick is obviously the, the biggest name of that, mm-hmm. but I, I really just think Q gets overlooked. Um, yeah. and, yeah. and I'm glad that you haven't listened to crash talk yet. Cause I'm telling you, you're going to fucking love that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and these guys are just really smart and look at SZA yeah, She hasn't dropped since Control, right? Like she's in very 2016.
1: Quiet. Yeah, that was yeah. in 2016.
0: And again, going back to what we were talking about, like we know the next thing is going to be great because of that. Because mm-hmm. they they focus on doing music the right way. And, you know, what what is the right way is tough to talk about. I mean, again, you can be a guy that releases music every year and make your money, and that could be the right way for you. But from like a pure art form, I think the way TDE handles their business is really is really well done, and that they take their time to flesh the music out in a perfect way, um, and they really focus more on the art than the money, and yeah. and that's and what what they do is a perfect representation that you don't have to chase money because mm-hmm. they have focused on the art and that has rewarded them, and it, it may take more time that way it may you know it may mean some quieter months where no one's talking about you but doing things the right way and focusing on the sole end goal you have which is to make good music that's what's going to pay you back and i mean right off the bat with q i think we're we're seeing that and moving forward i'm i'm interested to track uh how he develops even more
1: yeah I, as am i i'm really looking forward to these next two albums because uh obviously um oxymoron was his his breakout kind of album and then i i've heard a lot of good things about blank face lp what's your what's your experience with that if any
0: yeah i think i've gotten through like half of it maybe um it's it, it didn't hook me but but there was definitely some some bright spots so um I mean, you know, sometimes it takes a few times of listening to something to really understand what it means. So Mm -hmm. maybe it's some of that. So this will be an interesting week to see um, to see exactly what what I may have missed.
1: And having that foundation to use of of his past as well. I mean, you know, it's easy to look at an album just from the album perspective and like, okay, is that good or bad? But then once you see the growth and once you listen to setbacks and habits and contradictions, you'll you'll. I think appreciate it more. I know I'm probably going to just coming, having an understanding of where he's coming from. And that's why, again, I love this fucking podcast. I love going through um, music like this and uh, discographies like this because it makes it more enjoyable to like for sales drive KOD um, uh, for your eyes only similar to what I'm assuming for oxymoron blank face and crash talk, because it's like, you know where he came from and we'll see where he goes in the future and so that's going to be uh a wrap on this divine rhyme again divine timing damn near j cole's album uh, dropping may 14th after we're done with q we're going to hit that but for next week go ahead and listen to oxymoron and blank face lp send us some questions caleb lynn go ahead and listen to it i know you listen to every running hook podcast network uh uh, pod so go, don't be afraid to send us some questions what would you like to hear what are you expecting from uh q uh not just caleb lynn and all the audience members but what what, what do you expect the growth from q to b uh, again next week oxymoron and blank face lp now it is time for shameless plugs Special shout out just to the whole Pod Network, Running Hook Podcast Network, Alex Burr specifically for making this possible for us to, you know, do what we love and talk about how music affects us and our takes from it. And, um, you know, how we could learn through all this music and whatever it is. So special shout out to the boys. Love them uh for the plugs we have first up alex and dylan basketball power hour last week timberwolves clippers 76ers a lot of anthony edwards uh a lot of anthony edwards chatter uh hughes i know you're a big anthony edwards guy uh that one was a fun one to listen to um next week you got warriors celtics and Bulls. what can we expect next week in uh a and b basketball power hour hughes
0: well, just knowing me and Alex, we're probably going to spend thirty minutes on Steph Curry. Yep. We're probably going to spend another thirty minutes shit talking Danny Ainge.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, you know, Alex is a Bulls fan. Um, there's there's going to be a lot of hatred coming from his side. So, it's as as it as it is every week. It's going to be a beautiful mix of hatred for some basketball teams and players, and love for others. That that's what we do best. I think.
1: Well, looking forward to that one. Going to be out probably Thursday. I know they record on Wednesday, so around then. Um, And then Lynn Sanity, the NFL offseason last week. Uh, I know I was happy to hear Lynn Sanity's voice uh, back again on the Running Hook Podcast Network after a little hiatus, if you will. Can't remember necessarily what that was about. Just know I really enjoyed it. NBA headlines and current play and teams uh, released on Monday. Uh, haven't heard that one. Looking forward to it. And then um, looks like we got a little crossover event in the Running Hook Podcast Network coming out. I love to hear that. T.O.P. Triple Option Podcast. Triple Option Pass podcast and the Lynn Sanity crossover on the NFL Draft recap on Wednesday. Going to be looking forward to that one coming out. Um, T.O.P. Uh, has been good to have them back. Love to hear uh, Voss and Gregory chatting uh, about football, as always. Uh, Circle City Cinema. Uh, we got Invincible with Alex and Chris Logan. Coming out soon, Road to F9, Fast Five with Bryce and JD next week. Favorite movies, Parasite with Dylan next week or the week after. Uh, best Picture Draft for 1990 in 2020. I think that's with AB um, in the future at some point. And then Boys in the Hood, 30th anniversary with JD and his brother, Jamal, um, in the future. I love Circle City Circle City Cinema. Uh, they really relaxed podcasts. Really, um, really have a lot of laughs, have a lot of laughs in that podcast. I mean, Zach's voice is or Zach's uh, laugh is infectious. Uh, so it's definitely one of my favorite pods. Um, and then we got for the Battleground podcast about the NBA and NFL draft with Alex filling in for JD. So that's going to be a dynamic, Alex and Bryce going after each other uh triple option podcast triple option pass podcast I need to make it t-o-p-p not just t-o-p triple option pass podcast mock draft last week that was a good one gregory as always seems like he doesn't know what he's talking about but actually they hit on uh, a, a lot of those picks um that was a good pod i remember enjoying that one Pretty well. Um, Non-running hook plugs, facts and stats by J.D. Hall. He's been releasing um, a lot of, excuse me, a lot of podcasts recently. Uh, I think he had two last week. So go ahead. Uh, Listen to those, uh, both of them, about current events. And then uh, from one young soul to another. Talk about documenting documenting our life, Dylan Hughes. What is one young soul to another going to do for you?
0: Yeah, man. It's, it's, uh, I mean, we talk about struggle a lot on this podcast, right. And and that's kind of what it's about. Like everyone's got one at some point and most of them are the same for people. It, it could be different circumstances that lead to it, but at the end of the day, we all just want to be happy. We want to be loved. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of the message of, of the book just, uh, you know, shake off the bullshit and, uh, and find the happiness and, uh, I, I tried to do my best to help lead you there.
1: Very good book, Hughes. I enjoyed it. Uh, got it next to me, like usual. Um, easy read, an easy read. Not going to take you too long. So get it done in a sitting or two, depending on your reading speed. Uh, beyond getting um, the book just for the book's purposes, I've heard rumors that Alex Burr, if you don't get the book, will go in and steal all your um you know, family games, whether that be Monopoly Life, Uno, uh, Uno for sure, I think he's coming for. So go do that if you uh don't want your games stolen. But that is it, I believe, for the fifth episode of Divine Rhyme. As always, Hughes, a great time with you, brother. Uh got anything to send us off? I feel like you do.
0: <laughs> well in a non-music-related thing, I just want to co-sign the Zach Griffith. Um, like, okay, if you listen to this man laugh and you don't smile, yeah, I, I would love to see what is inside of your body because it's not a heart. I know yeah. it's not. Yeah, it- It's got to <laughs> be some black splooge or something because this man is, uh, it's just impossible to not laugh or smile every time you hear the laugh. And his ability to make himself laugh too, is second to none <laughs> yeah. and, and a great quality. So I'm co-signing Zach Griffith and Circle City Cinema as a whole.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt uh, before I cut us off. I would like to say at least about Circle City Cinema. Last time they talked about the Oscars, the last one I heard, they talked about the Oscars and um, I, I don't know, some Marvel, some Marvel kind of series recap. And I don't I hadn't followed Marvel at all. Uh, the new Marvel. What I don't know. Do you know what it is? I know they've had like uh, WandaVision, uh, but they're talking about another series. I still can't tell you what it's about. I know I really enjoyed the pod though because they just have a lot of fun on there. So go listen to them all on the Running Hook Network, but uh, Circle City Cinema specifically at least for this date. And that's going to be it for Divine Rhyme, fifth episode coming out on Thursday. Going to have Oxymoron and Blank Face coming up next. As always, thank you for listening. Shout out to the Running Hook Podcast Network, and we'll see you next week.